đời sông núi anh em ta đáp đời sông núi quyết bảo vệ sang sang ta thể chết cho quê hương at host my radio it's on on every monday and every friday and host my radio welcome to the show thank you Welcome to the episode of Team Cat on my radio today. Happy Friday, everyone. Hope you guys are having a great day. So, there's plenty of things I'm going to be talking about. One, the Civic Party is going to be threatened to be, is could, could disband and no one takes position. Second, a radio host was sentenced to two years in prison. And there'll be more coming up soon. So this is your Friday podcast, and I'll be talking more today. Hong Kong pro-democracy Civic Party could this ban if no one takes up executive roles? We haven't talked about the Civic Party for quite a bit, so we're going to be talking about it here. Because we've been in low profile for quite a bit, so not many much we can talk about. Hong Kong Civic Party might this ban if no one takes over executive committee post, the party's chairperson has said. An Leong, chairperson of the Civic Party, told Hong Kong Free Press on Tuesday, None of the current seven executive committee members, including himself, wanted to stay for another term. The Civic Party held a deliberation meeting last month, attended by about 20 members, Lauren said. There was a consensus reached at the meeting, mainly if the Civic Party has to go on, we have to find something that we can do. And we have to find people who are willing to take up the offices of of the executive committee, said the former lawmaker. After the meeting, Leon sent a letter to all Civic Party members to inform them of the consensus and let, to let them voice their opinions. No members had reached out to Leon to express an, an interest in taking up executive committee posts, but the chairperson said it's not to, it was not to his surprise. This is the only beginning of the process. We have to wait for a bit, said Leon. The party has to hold a general meeting by January next year. In order to fulfill the requirements of the company's ordinance, the ex-lawmaker said, and the party might and the party might have to disband if no one takes up steps in to take up committee posts. We can't wait until the late until that until that late because we have to make preparations for the AGM," said Leung. When asked if he could see room in Hong Kong's politics for the party to continue its work, Leung said it was a very difficult situation. I can only say this is a very difficult situation. That explains why I think all seven com- executive committee members expressed their views that they would they would want to step down, and also as of now, nobody steps forward wanting to take up the positions. The Civic Party, founded in 2006, did not take part in the Legislative Council election last year after the city's electoral system was drastically overhauled reducing democratic representations in the legislature, tightening controls of elections, and introducing a pro-Beijing vetting panel to select candidates. Following the enactment of the Beijing's imposed national security law, four ex-members of the party who was charged under the sweeping legislation, Alvin Yuan, Guo Gake, Jeremy Tom, and Li Yishan, urges the group to disband an open letter made public in April last year saying the Pacific Party has completed its historical missions. The four ex-members are amongst the 47 Democrats charged over their roles in the unofficial primary election for the then-postponed Legislative Council election. It's quite sad to see the political atmosphere here have starting to get, you know, worse at this moment because of this change and this, you know, crappy stuff that's going on with the government. I'm hoping that the changes may be May maybe better. Hopefully, everyone. Hopefully, someone steps up to become anything. Beijing's marathon to return in November after two years COVID hiatus. Thousands of runners will line up for Beijing's marathon in November after a two-year COVID pause. Organizers said as sporting events gradually return to China, the world's most populous country has canceled almost all international sports competitions since COVID emerged there in 2019. With the Beijing Winter Olympics in February this year, a rare exception. 
Race organizers said on Tuesday that 3,000 runners would be able to take part in the 26-mile or 40 kilometers course through the capital on November 6th, but only Beijing residents can register. China's the last major ec- economy weed, um, weeded weathered to a zero-COVID policy, stamping out a virus flare-ups with snap shutdowns, mass testings, and lengthy quarantines. The table tennis with a world ch- team championship kicked off last Friday in the mega city of Chengdu. The participants must stay in a closed loop, and it's announced last week that China would host the season-ending World Tour Finals for Batman in December. I don't know if this is going to be possible, if this is going to happen. I'm pretty sure it's go- I'm hoping that China can stop its crappy quarantine and can bring back um, free, um, more freedom to that. Hong Kong lawmaker questions the legal basis of invalidating COVID-19 jabs exemptions from arrested doctors. A Hong Kong, a Hong Kong lawmaker has questioned the legal basis on which the government avoided COVID-19 vaccination exemptions certificates issued by seven private doctors suspected of handing out the documents without prior diagnosis. Secretary for Health Law Chumao and the government should explain why they had had the authority to invalidate more than 20,000 certificates exempting people from receiving a COVID-19 jab legislator and solicitor during Kong said on a commercial radio on Wednesday. Kong was referring to a government announcement last Tuesday when it said jab exemption proof obtained by Dr. Kai Tong Singh, Dr. Annie Choi, Dr. Fu Ying Long, Dr. Wong Ping Long, Dr. Charlie Yan, Dr. Chang Ha Yu, and Dr. Amy Lam could not be recognized from October. Would not be recognized from October 12. Those holding certificates from those practitioners could consult other doctors to see whether they receive a COVID-19 jab or be granted another exemption, the authority said. It came after the police arrested six of the doctors last month for allegedly issuing the exemptions without conducting consultation or reviewing the patient's medical history. They were said to have charged between $350 and around $5,000 for each certificate. Chan was was reportedly wanted by the forces after the officers rounded up staff from his clinic back in March. He was on Hong Kong at the time. Legislator Kong said on Wednesday that the exemption proof was not merely a doctor's note, but rather a certificate regulated by under the Prevention and Control of Disease vaccine, vaccine Pass regulations. The legislation did not state clearly under which circumstances the Health Bureau would have an authority not to recognize the exemption certificates, law, the lawmaker said. Ask if the authorities had acted ultra-virus or, or beyond their authority, Kong said there was, a, there was a possibility that government announcements would be challenged in court. She called on the city's health chief to offer clarification and allay people's concern, and that the government did not, could not simply cite reasonable doubts in rendering more than 20,000 certificates invalid. Responding to local media, Authorities earlier described the voiding of the exemption certificate in question as a ranger under the vaccine pass scheme rather than a direct a direct notification of the documents. Kong criticized the response asking, What's the difference between not recognizing the certificates and annoying them? How can you decide not to recognize some twenty thousand certificates so heavily? A more reasonable arrangement would be would be to evaluate the exemption proof and question to see if they were issued without justifications and whether the documents matched the five criteria listed on the le- in the legislation, Kong said. The radio asked Kong if she would represent the residents to file a judicial review against the government's decision. The lawmaker did not give a direct response. She said that even if the court wa- were to rule in the government's favor, the authorities would lose popularity, because they will. Kong's remarks came a day after she wrote on Facebook on Tuesday that she cannot stand to see the government implement such a imperious measure in a society governed by rule of law. Smart. The allegations against these seven doctors required proof. The lawmakers said, questioning why the government did not show the evidence to justify the invalidations of the, of the certificates. The rule of law is a cornerstone of Hong Kong. Is it the important part of one country, two system? Who's destroying rule? Who's destroying the rule of law now? Kong Post read. 
I wonder if she's becoming Poe Democrat. Just kidding, she's not. On Wednesday, the, num- the city's number two official, Eric Chen, defended the government's decision as sensible and reasonable. The chief secretary for administration said, If citizens delayed receiving a COVID-19 jab after obtaining an exemption certificate issued without an appro- a appropriate clinical assessment, it would increase their risk of suffering from severe symptoms or even deaths if infected. If infected. It would be it would also put unnecessary pressure on the public health care systems he had. A lot of assumptions certificates that were excessively issued by the by the doctors to continue to be used as a vaccine pass would affect public health and citizens' health. Chan wrote on his Facebook post on Wednesday night. And a statement issued in the late hours of Wednesday, the government the government said those so that those who obtain a jab exemption proof from the practitioners in question could visit private doctors or the hospital's general, general outpatient clinics where a $50 fee, service fee would be waived. I wonder if that's going to happen. I wonder if what Doreen said is correct or not. I feel like it's correct. They're not suspe- your government's not specifying what is, what's this, what's that. They're just being vague on it and you can't explain about it. If the government wins, people are gonna say, "I hate this guy. I hate this government." Speaking of COVID, reports of Hong Kong's China travel restrictions relaxed soon, not coming out of thin air. Pro Beijing figures says. Reports of relaxation of COVID nineteen uh, restrict travel restrictions between Hong Kong and mainland China after upcoming, after the upcoming China Communist Party conference were not coming out of thin air. A pro Beijing figure has said. The 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party will be held in Beijing from October 16th, which is just about a couple more weeks. With reports saying that China might relax some restrictions after the after the meetings. Lo Manting, vice chair of the All China Federation of Return Overseas Chinese, wrote in a Mingpao op-ed published on Wednesday that Hong Kong and mainland China could soon relax cross-border travel restrictions. I don't know if that's dangerous or not. It could be. It depends on how you ask. In recent days, there have been reports saying that there might be a chance to loosen cross-border policies between Hong Kong and the and the mainland after the 20th National Congress wrote law. This, of course, is not Alveson air. Law's comments came after Tom Yuchum, a Hong Kong delegate to the National People's Congress, cited his friends in the mainland who said that travel restrictions between Hong Kong and mainland China could be loosened after the party's co- conference. Quarantine-free travel between mainland China and Hong Kong could be has been suspended for more than two years since the COVID-19 pandemic broke out. While travelers from China do not have to undergo quarantine when they visit Hong Kong, residents from these cities still have to undergo seven days of mandatory isol- um, insulation, fall- isolation, of course followed by three days of medical surveillance period when they crossed the border into mainland China. China is one of the last countries in the world to maintain strict COVID-19 social distancing and quarantine policies. Apart from the compulsory um, quarantine for upcoming travelers, residents also face lockdowns if a small number of infections are detected in their area. Following intense criticism from the business sectors and lawmakers, Hong Kong relaxed its COVID-19 travel restrictions in September. Incoming visitors no longer had to be no longer had to quarantine, but they still have to undergo three days of medical surveillance, during which they are not allowed to visit certain premises such as restaurants, such as restaurants under the vaccine pass. Lo and the article published on Wednesday said. That the Hong Kong government had direct, smooth, and good communication with the central government on the matter, refuting the reports that cities moved to relax international travel restrictions would hamper the assumptions of quarantine-free travel with mainland China. The central government's support for Hong Kong to travel to relax travel restrictions is not only tolerance towards Hong Kong and respect towards these systems. It also reflected that the central government highly values. Hong Kong's international status, Law wrote. Law also said that he expected that the central government would take powerful measures to promote Hong Kong as Hong Kong as Hong Kong was being slandered by some politicians and media in the West. It's not slandering, it's the truth that we tell. 
if you consider that to be slander, if you're telling us that we are foreign interference, you have the right to say that, but you have to have proof that we actually are, you know, this and that. And I don't know why the governments always have to be. They're they're the most paranoid. You know what? There's more. There's they're the most paranoid people that I've ever heard in my whole life. The government is so paranoid for almost everything. Hong Kong's wealth gap reaches tipping point under COVID as unemployment rises amongst poor. Oxfam says. The pandemic has worsened Hong Kong's wealth gap, with the city's poorest make. Poorest making 47 times less than its richest residents, Oxfam Hong Kong has said. In the pre COVID era, the highest earners made 34.3 times more. The wealth gap of Hong Kong has reached a tipping point, Oxfam Director General Kalina Chang said on Wednesday. She added that the relaxations of travel restrictions and social distancing measures may have, may have not and have an immediate economic impact on those who earned the least. Oxfam's latest reports on poverty and employment during the pandemic, which was published on Wednesday, analyzed, analyzed statistics from the Census and Statistics Department from 2019 to the first quarter of 2020. The government always emphasized that, uh, that the overall employment rate is falling, yet we found that the employment rate of people in poverty is actually eight times higher than that of those above the poverty line, Oxfam Assistance Research and Advocacy Manager Terry Lund said when presenting the report. The Census Statistics Department last month said that unemployment has fallen from 4.3% in May to July to 4.1% in June to August, with a number of unemployed Hong Kong declining by around 6,300 people. However, Lone said that the unemployment rate and the under underemployment rate of people in poverty were eight times and four times higher than other income groups, respectively, with the elderly and women's foreign the worst at defining employment. Among those who were unemployed and the age at least 65, the age of retirement, every second people was living below under below the poverty line, according to Oxfam's figures. Carriers of elderly residents and around 70,000 households were also elder, older, older adults, which Lund said was a result of a lengthy waiting time, 42 months on average for care facilities. He also said that COVID outbreaks has a result in suspension of classes in schools and kindergartens, making it difficult for women as a primary caregivers of children to join the labor force. Child care services in most areas are also insufficient, Lin said. The average monthly income of the poorest household in Hong Kong fell by 22.9% to to $2,700 from 2019 to 2022, according to the report, while that that of the richest rose by 6.3% to $127,600. Even after the government relaxed its hotel quarantine requirements for incoming Coming travelers and some distancing measures, Wong Sit Home, director of Hong Kong's Macau and Taiwan program, said she thought low income families would need, ex- need additional time to recover from the financial impact of COVID 19. Maybe Hong Kongers will travel more and spend, spend money overseas in the future, making it more difficult for the local catering industry to recover economically, Wong said. Oxfam urges the government to raise the, min- the city's minimum wage to four. To forty-five and a half dollars to elevate to elevate the economic struggles of the po- poorest household in Hong Kong. The current minimum wage is thirty-seven thirty-seven and a half dollars, which is not enough. It is not a huge jump as the minimum wage has been frozen for three years. Wong said, comparing the policy review to a health check, we do our health check our health check every year, so we should also reviewed the minimum wage annually. The organization also suggested that the temporary unemployment relief scheme, which granted one-off subsidy of $10,000 to eligible unemployed individuals, should be extended until the end of 2022, and subsidies for employers to hire hired staff ages 40 or higher should be increased. Now, um, it's pretty, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty wishful thinking, 
I'm hoping that can happen. I would be, I will actually be very grateful if they raise the the number of people, the number of you know wages to a higher amount, so people can at least live. For goodness sake, people need to make a living, people. And there's so much going on here that I might have to cut short to read it later. And I'm hoping that the government can able to make the minimum wage higher, because if you lose, if you if you have people that lose job, how can you make the economy be better if you can't raise the minimum wage so people can at least get some to at least go to work so that way you can make the economy work better. You can't just you know just gave up easily. And I feel like the government is already abandoning its own people. I know people can say, "Oh, you're smearing the Hong Kong government." You can't. You have to trust them. But trusting them has to earn our trust first. You can't just trust them with this sense of trusting. Nobody wants to trust them, so I have to listen to what the people has to say. Otherwise, they'll be held very badly responsible for that. So I'm hoping that the government can be can do a better job in doing their minimum wage increase. What do we have here? Okay, there you go. Hong Kong's government urges to help ICE factory business and residents hit by housing plan. Self-proclaimed non-establishment party, Third Side, has urged the Hong Kong government to help rehouse businesses and villages who have been displaced by a proposed public housing development in Tin Mon. The fate of the turbo of Turbo Ice, a major ice supplier in Hong Kong that supports 3% of the catering sectors, residents and other nearby businesses remains uncertain amidst plans to build 21,600 flats unless they occupy at Sing Hin Ching. Legislative and Third Side Chairperson Tik Ji Yun, the, par- the party's vice chairperson Casper Casper Wong and representative of those affected in Sang Hin and Sang Hin Ching visit the central government complex on Thursday morning to petition for help. The government the government bureau earlier told Hong Kong Free Press that Turbo Ice still has three years of its current of its current location giving it enough time to make its own preparation to move. But Wong said it remains difficult for business to look for an alternative locations while still operating. In addition, Wong said the current facilities on at Turbo Ice would not fit in any multi multi in a, any multi story industrial building. We hope authorities can provide assistance immediately, not waiting for three years until the ice factory has a go, he said. Hang Chan, Turbo's ICE executive director, told reports the government seemingly failed to understand that their product was a daily necessity. Chan told Hong Kong Free Press that Hong Kong's ice makers were barely meeting demands in the peak season. If Turbo Ice had to shut down, he said, there could be a shortage of ice in the cities with people possibly having to pay double or triple the price for an ice drink. If the supply if the supply chains breaks, what are your plans for the highest day? Chan asked, adding that his that his hundred and fifty employees and many business partners were worried were very worried about the fate of the business. The proposed plan the proposed development project would also force away Mr. Cho and other residents as well as business in the area. Speaking on behalf of the affected and the affected, village, affected villagers, Cho said all they asked for was for the government to negotiate with them, and that they did not insist on objecting to the resumptions and clearance of the land. But Cho said the authorities had only handed them a pamphlet about the government's compensations and rehousing policy, without officially saying they would be compensated. If you have a good housing strategy and compensation scheme, why won't I accept it? But there isn't. So people feel insecure, anxious, and agitated, and that's why, and that's why people protest, Cho said. Casper Wong, Wong said in a statement that the government had been sh- has, been sh- has been shirking its responsibility to find an alternative location for people, affect- for people affected by land resumptions, and this was an absolute inadvisable. He said the government seemingly had not learned any lessons from previous land resumption issues, as there was insufficient communications with the res- with residents and incomplete f- planning process that strangles the living spaces of many traditional industries. 
I wonder why they're not helping to fix that problem, but instead they are not finding a solution. I, the government's not finding a solution either, so. Hong Kong court hands down, we're going to go on to the court systems with Hong Kong protesters. Hong Kong courts hands down city's first convictions for doxing. The Hong Kong court handed the city's first doxing convictions on Thursday against a man who set up multiple fake profile impersonating a form of love and encouraging others to harass her. Hong Mokwa, 27 years old, was convicted by Sha Ting's magistrate's court after pleading guilty to seven doxing charges, the city's primacy commissioner said in a statement. Hong Kong's introduced a law criminalizing doxing, the non-consensual disclosure of others' personal data, and the aftermath of the 2019's huge and sometimes violent democracy protests. But both police officials and democracy supporters had their personal details published online by opponents during the, during the unrest. Thursday, Thursday pres, president setting convictions had no political elements. According to Hong Kong's Office of Privacy Commissioner, Ho docks his girlfriend after the end of the short relationship. He disclosed on her on disclosed online her personal data, including telephone numbers and address, and opened up three accounts impersonating his victims on social media and welcomed others to visit her. Many strangers later contacted the complainants and tried to get an acquaintance created with her, the privacy commissioner said. Whole sentence will be handed down on December 15th. He faces a maximum of th- of two years in prison and faces up and a, fi- a fine up to ten thousand to a hundred thousand dollars, which is about twelve twelve thousand seven hundred dollars in the U.S. When Hong Kong published its anti-doxing laws in September 2021, many leading tech companies, including Facebook, Google, and Twitter, warned its wording was disappropriate and unnecessary and could use to curtail free expressions. So if we want to criticize the government, this can this can affect us, of course. And what about the Hong Kong courts of protesters? Hong Kong courts courts jails two women for 11 months over the 2019 unlawful assembly in Chinwan. A Hong Kong court has jailed two women for 11 months each over an unlawful assembly in Chinwan during the height of the anti-extradition bill protest more than three years ago. Both prosecution and defense lawyer knowing long delays in bringing the case to justice. Magistrate Li Chi Ho passed the sentence on Fo Ho Ching and Guo Chi Ching at West at the West Kowloon Magistrates Court on Thursday after they were conv- after they were convicted of taking part in a, an assembly in Young Oak Road in tw- in Chinwan on August twenty fifth, twenty nineteen. He said he took the judicial delays into account when assessing the sentence. Who is who is at, who is already serving nearly five years in a separate protest case saw eight months added to existing prison term. That day marked the first time for Hong Kong pro- police deployed water cannons against protesters during the pro during the unrest during the unrest that erupted in June 2019. Officers also fired tear gas after the violence. After violence broke out following a march that began in Kwai Chum, where demonstrators called on authorities to respond to the five demands and condemn alleged police, condemn alleged police misconduct. The police also was also scheduled to th- sentence three other defendants: Ho Chuk Hing, Cheng Gua, Cheng Ga Wing, and Li and Li Lun. Both trio was absent on Thursday's hearing as they were under COVID-19 quarantine while in custody. They will face sentencing on October 19th. Ho was found guilty of assaulting pol- a police officer in addition, addition to the unlawful assembly charge, while Fo, who who said to have possessed a laser pointer and a can of spray paint, was also convicted of possessing an offensive weapons and possessing an article with intent to destroy or damage property. During mitigation, Fo's lawyer Brian Choi said the case did not involve serious violence and there was no evidence to show that his client has used laser pointers and spray paint. Kwok's representative Howard Tang submitted seven mitigation letters from the defense former teachers and principals, friends, and social workers, who described her as well-mannered and who had made contributions to a school and society. Tang's highlighted a delay in judicial, in judicial procedures, saying the defense first appeared in court in September last year, more than two years after the offense was committed. 
such a delay interrupted Quark's rehabilitation plan, the barrister said, as as the special needs education teacher could not study a program in a related field in the University of Hong Kong due to her convictions. The persecution represented by external barrister Stephen Kwan submitted that it took the Department of Justice more than a year to advise the police on what charges to bring against 10 defendants arrested in connections in the, with the protest in Tianwan. When handing down sentence, Lee said there was no evidence that Fo and Kwok had hurled bricks or petrol bombs and the case did not involve violent, extreme violence. He said, he said he also took into account the delays in persecuting the defendants when they signed the penalty for the pair. Considering Fo was already serving 4 years and 11 months for writing connections with the campus unrest at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, the magistrate said 8 months would be added will be added to her existing jail time. Kwok applied for review for, of, her, of, of her convictions before Lee, and the hearing is set to be held on November 4th. How long are they going to be taking anyway? They're going to keep delaying and delaying and delaying it. And I think we got three, four more to go. And the rest of the hour will probably do on a later, around Monday or so. If. Hong Kong's government rejects U.S. criticism of devastating national security law. Like if they're gonna, they're gonna take it. The Hong Kong government has rejected findings of an official U.S. agency, which said which said the city, the city's Beijing-imposed national security law has has had a devastating effect on civil society, even though it's true. The government statement on Wednesday even responded to the publication of an report by the U.S. Congressional Executive Commission on, Hong, on China entitled Hong Kong Civil Society from an Open City to a City of Fear. The report interviewed people including former members of the civil society groups, researchers, and journalists and in detailed incidents such as the disbandment of groups including, including the Civil Human Rights Front and the Hong Kong Alliance as a part of patriotic democrat movements of China. Two years of the national security law crackdown has had a devastating effect on Hong Kong's once dynamic civil society, the report concluded. Authorities have not suppressed not only the city's democracy movement, but also its rich civic life. The commission, the commission made up of legislators and senior administration officials, was established in 2000. According to the group's website, it has a legislative mandate to monitor the Hong human rights and development of the rule of law in China and submit an annual report to the U.S. President and Congress. The Hong Kong, administra- the Hong Kong administrations described the report comments as totally biased. It said human rights and the rule of law are protected under the national security legislation, which came into force in June 2020, and suggestions to the contrary were, were totally unsubstantial. Unsubstantiated. Oh, really? As regards, as regards the, uh, the reports on the grounded allegations on disbandment of organizations, it should also stress that the national security law does not seek to prevent, suppress, and punish normal interactions with other countries, regions, or relevant international organizations. The government stream read, while it reiterating that freedom of association was guaranteed under the basic law, the government also said that this freedom, similar to other rights, was not absolute. It may be subjected to restrictions that are provided by law and are necessary pursuing legitimate aims, such as the protections of national security and or public order, the statement read. National security law was drafted in the aftermath of the 2019 anti-extradition bill protest. The sweeping legislation criminalizes subversion, secession, collusion, foreign forces, and terrorist acts, which was has been broadly defined to include disruptions to transport, in our infrastructure, more than 50 Hong Kong civic organizations have been have shut down since it came into force, and as of last month, 215 people have been arrested on suspicions of endangering national security. A list of top Hong Kong officials, including current Chief Executive John Lee and former leader Carrie Lam, have have had sanctions imposed on them by U, by the U.S. since August 2020, with Washington saying that they were involved in this in the involving the law's development and implementation. The commission in the report released in July this year suggested the U.S. government impose further sanctions on 15 Hong Kong persecutors 
Senator involvement in national security in Portland-related cases was a tantamount to playing a role in expanding arbitrary detention. But isn't that true, though? I wonder why they keep denying it. Why the government keep denying on these kind of things anyway? Because if they deny it, then they themselves are uh, full of lies, of course. UN, the UN Human Rights Council votes against debate on alleged abuses in China's Xinjiang region. What a joke. The UN Human Rights Council on Thursday voted against debating alleged widespread abuses in China's Xinjiang region after intense lowering by Beijing and heavy setbacks for Western nations. The United States and Allies last month brought a draft decision targeting China to the UN top rights body, seeking as a bare minimum a discussion on Xinjiang. The move came out came after former UN rights chief Michelle Bachelet released her long-delayed Xinjiang report, citing possible crimes against humanity against Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities in the far western region. Western countries thought that by going further than simply seeking to talk about the finding, enough other nations would not block putting it on the agenda. But in the moments of knife-edge drama, countries from the, on the 47-member council in Geneva voted 19, 19 and 17 against holding a debate on human rights in Xinjiang with 11 nations abstaining. This is a victory for developing countries and victory for the truth and justice, tweeted Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Hua Chongying. Amnesty International branded the vote farcical, while Human Rights Watch said it would betray the abused victims. The United States condemned today's vote preventing a discussion about Xinjiang, U.S. Ambassador to the Council Michelle Taylor tweeted. An action shamefully suggested that some countries are free from scrutiny and allowed to violate human rights with impunity. The, country, the nations voted against a debate were Bolivia, Cameroon, China, Cuba, Eritrea, Gabon, Indonesia, Ivory Coast, Kazakhstan, Mauritania, Namibia, Nepal, Pakistan, Qatar, Senegal, Sudan, the United Arab Emirates, Uzbekistan, and Venezuela. Argentina, Armenia, Benin, Benin, or I hope I pronounced it right, Brazil, the Gambia, India, Libya, Malawi, Malaysia, Mexico, and Ukraine abstain. Washington and some Western countries have used Xinjiang to spread rumors and cause trouble engage, engaging in political manipulations under the guise, under the juices, the guises of, of human rights, attempting to smear China's images, a Chinese foreign spokesperson said in a statement. The plot by the U.S. and some Western countries have once failed again. Who knows if they're going to win or not. Xinjiang-related issues are fundamentally not human rights issues, but are counter-terrorism, deorganization, and anti-separatism issues. The draft decision was put forward by the United States, Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Norway, Sweden, and Turkey, amongst others. One Western diplomatic, diplomat stressed that regardless of the outcome, the number one objective was to fulfill in putting Xinjiang in the spotlight. Bash's report, published minutes before her term ended on August 31st, highlighted credible allegations of widespread torture, arbitrary detention, and violations of, of religious and reproductive rights. It brought UN endorsements to long-running allegations that Beijing detained more than 1 million Uyghurs and other Muslims forced and forcibly sterilized women. Beijing vehemently rejected the charges, insisting that it was running vocational training centers in the region to counter extremism. Like, if I won't believe that. Amnesty Secretary General Agnes Kalamard said Thursday's vote put, in the, put, the, put the council in the pharisaic farcical positions of ignoring the findings of the of the UN owns human rights office. For many for council member states to vote against even discussing a situation where the UN itself says crimes against, crimes against humanity may have occurred make makes a mockery of everything the Human Rights Council stands for. The Human Rights Watch, China Director Sophie Richardson, called an abdication of responsibility and a betrayal of Uyghur's victims. The International Service for Human Rights, China Advocates, Raphael Vienna uh, Vanna, Vanna David said 
Council members sent today a dreadful message. China remains a far, so far untouchable. ISHR Executive Director Phil Lynch said it was, ha- it was shameful that Muslim countries have overwhelmingly failed to even support a UN discussions on rights abuses against Uyghurs. Indi- Indonesian Ambassador Fabrian Rebillard said, as the largest Muslim country and a vibrant democracy, we cannot close our eyes and apply of our Muslim, Muslim brothers and sisters. But as China did not consent, a discussion would not be you meaningful pro- progress, hence Indonesia vote no. The sentiment was echoed by Qatar's ambassador, Han al-Motaf. China launched an all-out offensive, offensive to dismiss Bachelor's report. African countries where China is leading credit as making the massive infrastructure investments face particularly heavy lobbying and observers in. In the end, only Somalia vote yes out of the 13 countries. China's Britain's ambassador, Simon Mainly, said the close results nonetheless showed Beijing's that a significant numbers of countries will not be silenced when it comes to a, a rigorous human rights violations, whoever the perpetrator. And what's worse, how about the rest of the year about domestic workers and also and also about the radio host? We'll explain more after the break. Welcome back. Former domestic workers returned to Hong Kong to testify. Seeks nine hundred and thirty thousand dollars in damages from abuse from abusive employers. A former domestic worker whose Hong Kong employers were jailed in twenty thirteen for abusing her has returned to the city for a court case in which she's seeking around nine hundred and thirty thousand dollars in compensation from them. Kartika um Puspita Sari, four years old, appeared at a district court. On on Thursday morning, accompanied by activists from migrant worker support groups, wearing a light brown headscarf and a black mask, she was sp- so- soft-spoken and broke down, sobbing as she testified through an interpreter. The c- court heard that more than ten years ago, ten years on, Kartika, who have moved back, who has moved back to Indonesia, where she lives with her husband and three children, continued to experience physical and physical pain and mental trauma associated with her time working for an employer from 2010 to 2012. Kartika said she has not undergone treatment as it's too expensive to get, given her financial circumstances. The former domestic workers case made international headline in 2013. Her male and, fe- and female employer were jailed for three years and three months, and five years respectively, after being, f- after being found guilty of charges including assault, assault and wounding with intent. The couple was said to have have scalded Kartika with a hot rod, slashed her with a paper cutter, and used a bicycle chain to beat her. That's that's already not treating treating people like a human, treating someone like an animal. She was also left tied to a chair for days without food while her employer vacationed in Thailand, the court heard at the time. Kartika eventually fled from her employer home in October 2020. In October 2012, and sought help from the Indonesian consulate. She remained in Hong Kong for two years to assist with the police investigations, staying in a shelter provided by the consulate. Barrister Percy Yue, who represented Kartika on on Thursday, said the informant domestic workers is seeking over one million two hundred eighty one thousand four hundred fifty dollars in damages. The sum included amounts covering future medical expenses, loss of ability to work, and physical and mental suffering costs. Of that sum, $350,000 was expected from the insurance payment payout, while Kartika hoped to receive the remaining $935,000 from her former employer, Yue said. The court, the court will deliver the ruling on December 15th. Kartika, who is returned to Indonesia on Monday, will not appear in person. Hong Kong is home to around 340,000 migrant domestic workers, most of them from Indonesia and the Philippines. Research has shown that domestic workers contribute significantly to the city's economy, freeing up parents from childcare and others' duties so they can enter the workforce. Migrant workers' activists have long campaigned for their rights, criticizing policies such as a live-in rule that required domestic workers to live in their employer's home. Under COVID-19, activists said workers' conditions have worsened, with some employers barring them from leaving their home on their one day, on their one rest day a week. Cases of physical abuse, like Kartika, has occasionally made their way 
made her way to a spotlight among them the torture endured by another Indonesian migrant worker, Orina Suisi Yansing, when she came to Hong Kong in 2013. We heard about that before. It was pretty. It was, if you see the bruise, I recommend don't look it up. It is actually horrendous of what they did to her. In a press conference held by the Asian Migrant Coordinating Body on Thursday afternoon, Kartika was speaking publicly for the first time. She says she still had nightmares and trembles when she sees people who look like her former employers. Any Lestari, an, an Asian Migrant Coordinating Body spokesperson, urged the government to do more to regulate the working conditions of domestic workers. The case of Kartika and Arena might be, might be extreme. But they are not isolated ones, she added. She said, adding that the NGOs would often receive cases of workers being denied rest, food, and their salaries. And he added, added that Kartika did not have sought damages from the labor tribunal in 2014 before returning to Indonesia. She has not paid. She was not paid monthly salaries in two years. She was, she was working. And he, and he said, but she ultimately lost the case. That sucks. This is the reason why this proves something. Why the gum why the government here of that time period is untrustworthy. I'm telling you that. It's untrustworthy that we see that this is happening anyway. And one final news for today. Hong Kong online radio host Gates jailed for two years and eight months over sedition and money laundering. Online radio host Edmund Gates won was sentenced was sentenced to two years and eight months in prison after he reached a plea agreement with the persecution over sedition and money laundering charges. The court ordered Wong to hand over four point eighty seven million dollars of his assets. Wong appeared in front of Judge Adriana Noel Noel Jiechi at the district court on Friday morning. Wong had a copy of the Bible in his chest as he entered the courtroom and waved to the members of the public gallery who shouted, Morning, Uncle Giggs, and look after yourself to the defendant. The 54-year-old D100 radio DJ pled guilty, pled guilty last month to three money laundering charges involving a total of $10.3 million and one count of sedition in colonial area offense under the plea agreement. In, re- in return for... Wan's pleading guilty to four charges. A further six charges were kept in file. Sedition charges related to the to thirty nine programs hosted by Wan between February and November twenty twenty that contains seditious content, some of which incite others to resist or sue the the Communist Party and promote Hong Kong independence. In February twenty twenty, Wan also called out for donations via his website and on social media to support the living expenses of Hong Kong protesters who have traveled to seek refuge and study in Taiwan. Authorities said there were clear signs of money laundering and three counts, three counts linked to the radio host, including disproportionate amount of funds and multiple large transactions made clear, made without clear reasons. Ted ruled that, ruled that the the seditious offenses were very serious, as one was involved in an online media and thus had the ability to sway public opinions. Still, that one has committed the offense continuously over the nine months in question by uploading contents once a week to his online to his online platforms, as all of his video programs were free to view for people around the world. The judge said Wan has more widespread influence than seen in previous sedition cases involving paper pamphlets. Additionally, Ted said that when Wan was publishing the content in question, Hong Kong was confronted with a serious, unprecedented, continuous, extremely violent breaches of the law, <clears throat> which included, included large, many large-scale prolonged riots and or, vi- or violent unlawful assemblies. She said Wan clearly added fuel to fire. I thought the court added fuel to fire for endangering the safety of others in society. She also said Wan had persisted and his seditious behavior for five months after the national security law came into effect, which showed he was clearly flaunting the law. The judge set the starting point for Wan's sedition charge to 21 months of jail. Taylor also wrote that Wan's three money laundering charges was, were serious offense as they, were, as they involved $10.3 million over 413 transactions and last for more than nine months. The judge adopted 
a starting point of three of three months for his most serious money laundering charges and eighteen months for the two other two. After factoring in his guilty plea, the sentences for the three offenses were reduced to between twelve to tw- twelve and twenty months. Ted said Juan's sedition and money laundering offenses were completely different in nature. Different nature. While Ted said technically she had lent, had handed down consecutive consecutive sentences. She decided to set the overall starting point at four years in prison. After after discounts, one was handed a term of thirty two months. After taking into account that the twenty months, one was already in custody. A source told Hunger Press that he could be released in two three months. Citing Juan's good character, his remorse, and his needs to look after his parents, who were both over 80 and suffering from cancer, his lawyer, Stephen Kwan, asked for a mitigation for the court to offer to further discounts to Juan's sentence. Howard said that one-third discounts for Juan's guilty pleas already covered factors including his character's remorse, and that defendants should have thought about the consequences about his family would face before committing offenses. The defense lawyer also said that Juan's comments rarely alluded to the city's judiciary, rather than they stemmed from his strong feelings about social climates at the at the time. Nonetheless, Ted said no matter how noble he thought, he cannot constitute a mitigation factor. Juan was, already, was arrested in November that year and was initially re- granted bail. But has been remain in custody since he was rearrested in February 2021. Sedition is outlawed by Hong Kong's crime ordinance. Sedition is outlawed by the Hong Kong's crime ordinance, which was amended in in 1972, when when Hong Kong was still a British colony. I wonder why Hong Kong cannot have a free and democratic life instead of living under a communist regime that we see nowadays. Hoping Hong Kong could be free and could be more democratic than anyone expected to be. And thank you for tuning in, guys. If you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure you tune in every Monday and Friday for a podcast. So we can talk more about what's going on around Hong Kong and, I guess we should say, around the world. Thank you for tuning in, guys. And we'll talk more next time. This is Team Cat Hope, my radio, signing out. Hope you guys are having a great day. <laughs> Cat host my radio. It's on on every Monday and every Friday. Cat host my radio. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs>